This is Enjoy Cherokee Voices, a podcast recorded live to deliver in-depth conversations with dynamic people from all corners of Cherokee County. Listeners like you sink into this weekly podcast to learn more about the people that make Cherokee County extraordinary. And now it's time to get to know another neighbor. Here's your host, Jody Drinker. Hey, Katie, how you doing today? Hey, Jody, I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. I had a brainstorm. I passed some of the Goshen Valley people in the hallway today up here in Thrive, and I thought it would be kind of cool if they would help us find some foster parents to talk to and find out what it's like to be foster parents for Goshen Valley people. What do you think? Wow, I think that is a great idea. I know Goshen's a big name in our community. I think people would really enjoy that. I know. We always hear about the Boys Ranch and all the amazing things they're doing in our community, but I never really get to the heart of it. Like to actually talk to a mom or a dad about what it's like to be a foster parent and what it's like in the home, you know, outside of when they're out in the community playing with the kids and stuff. Right. I think it'd be kind of fun to find out what it's really like behind closed doors. I agree. So I'm going to call Gabby Brumfield and see if she can help me put together a podcast with a family. What do you think? I think that's a great idea. I think people would really enjoy that. All right. Cross your fingers. Let's hope it works out. All right. Hello, hello. Welcome. I am in the studio today with Kayla Turner and Gabby Brumfield. We are here today to talk about fostering children Mm -hmm. and what that is like. And Gabby is here on behalf of Goshen Valley, which is a very big name around Canton and all of Cherokee County. Uh, You make quite an impact on families in this area. Can you tell us just briefly, what is Goshen Valley? And specifically, what is the part of Goshen Valley that we are going to be talking about today? Okay, so Goshen Valley Foundation actually has four different entities. Um, They all serve youth in foster care in different ways. But specifically to what Kayla Turner serves in is uh, known as Goshen Homes. And our job is to preserve sibling groups in foster care within the same placement rather than them being separated across the state. So in other words, when children enter the foster system, this particular segment of Goshen Valley makes sure that the kids stay together as a family. The three siblings or four or 10 or whatever it is, they're going to stay together as a unit and go into a foster parental situation. Yes, ma'am. We recruit the families, we license the families, and then we oversee the case management side once they actually obtain placement. Okay. So enter Kayla. Hi. <laughs> Kayla. I I assume you're married. Is that correct? I am. Okay. Yes. Just so our seven listeners out there understand, Kayla and I have never met until three minutes ago when you walked in the door. So this is, this is a dry run. We're just going to talk through this. I have so many questions about fostering children Mm -hmm. and how that works from a marriage perspective and from a child's perspective and really from a sanity perspective. (laughs) So my first question to you is, and what year did you get married? 2013. Very recent. By the way, if you don't know Kayla Turner, she's very young. (laughs) You look like you're 14. So you should be in foster care. That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) Did you decide before you were even married, you were going to have children or you're looking for a big family? Yes. Oh yeah. We both came from big families. So we knew at some point 
we wanted to have a big family. Okay. Yeah. And, um, Getting pregnant was one of the things you wanted to do right away? Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, we found out we were pregnant with our firstborn on our first year anniversary, actually. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Well, that was quick, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was. Good. And then when did you start feeling, you know what, I think we have more to offer. I think we should consider fostering children. When did this come into your head? Um, so it's something that I've always kind of felt led to do. Um, so it was more of a conversation we had had before we ever got married. So it was more just once we kind of had that first child, second child under our belt and we started thinking, oh, this is actually more realistic for our lives. Cause when we first got married, we didn't really know a whole lot about fostering as far as all the requirements even. So it was once we started, um, you know, we had a couple kids, we were somewhat established that we were like, okay, we think we can, we think we can take this on right now. And that's when we got involved with Goshen and started trying to figure out what that actually looks like. So you had two children. Yes. How old were they when you decided? Oh, let's see. I guess my oldest was three and my youngest was one. Yeah. I'm going to ask you some personal questions. Is that all right? I'm an open book. Okay. I am an open book. Did you both work? Did you and your husband both work at the yes. time? Yes. Yeah, I mm-hmm. was full-time. He was full-time. Um, and then I actually quit my career to go work in a daycare so that I could start training for fostering. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you yeah. were training for fostering. <laughs> yeah. Gabby, is this something that's recommended? It's actually required by the state. Okay. Mm-hmm. There is a 24-hour uh, training curriculum called IMPACT that the state of Georgia requires every foster family to go through and be certified in. And this is what you were doing? Yes. So, so you and your husband said, we're ready for this. Mm-hmm. You're going to quit your job. What was your career? Um, I was actually a hairstylist for about six years. Okay. Yeah. So you were a hairstylist. Mm-hmm. You're going to quit that. You're going to go. Were you like elated? This is so exciting. We're actually making this happen. Yeah, it was. It was nerve wracking and very exciting at the same time that it was finally becoming a reality of something we had talked about for years. So, so I think I maybe missed something. There must have been a moment when you said, all right, we're going to go to a session yeah. or we're going to learn about what we need to do. And then you said, okay, I'm going to quit my job. So where, how did that happen? How did you go to a session and find out about this? So we actually go to church with someone who's on the recruitment team for Goshen. Mm -hmm. Um, We've known her since I was in high school, actually. And I had talked to her a lot about it. And so honestly, it just came from a conversation with her. The more and more we talked about it, and we just kind of had a moment um, at church one Sunday, they were like, okay. Like, we think this is it. Like, we think we're finally at a good place. We're at peace about it. So, yeah, it actually came from a girl that we know that go- works for Goshen. So, you went to a session. You got all, yeah. the, you got all the news. This is how we have to yeah. prepare. Mm-hmm. And one of the preparations was to quit your job and learn how to be a foster parent. Yes. What were some of the other preparations that you had to endure or go through? Oh, for us, um, well, we had to move. So at the time, we were in a two-bedroom townhouse. So just was that a requirement, or was that something you just decided as a couple? So part of it is a legal requirement because I can't share a room with biological kids. Oh. So we had to have a room, um, but also just something that we knew we needed. Like being in a mm-hmm. two-bedroom townhouse, even if we didn't really have even if we'd only had one bio kid, like there just has to be another room. So it was a little bit of both, um, more of a leisure thing and partly legal. 
I had to kind of readjust and prepare for being at home again. So it requires to to be a foster parent requires that at least one of the parents be at home and not work. Is that is that accurate? So we at Goshen have a a specific model um, where if there is a stay at home parent, what we do is we make it to where they are a full time foster parent. So we have a minimum number of children that they have to have in their home at all times. And that is essentially a career choice for them. Now, if you have a two parent household that definitely has two full-time jobs. No one's saying that they can't be foster parents. It's just a different type of model that we have to help facilitate more children in a smaller space with that particular family. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What other kind of things were you preparing for? So you got a bigger house, you went to your classes. Mm, The home study process. Yeah. Oh, Oh. oh, this sounds... Yeah, I thought I was paranoid about baby-proofing my house until the state told me exactly everything I had to do. All right, let's hear some of it. Um, Just the things that have to be under lock and key. So my mentality is like, oh, as long as my knives are up super, super high, like, that's fine. No, they have to be under, like, an actual lock and key. Like, not just one of the little cabinet baby-proofing things that you can get at Target. Like, it has to be actually locked up. So if you have a set of steak knives, Mm -hmm. they have to be in a case. Yeah, well, so what we have is we have ours in a cabinet, but we have it, we switched the cabinet to an actual lock and key. Oh my goodness, yeah. okay. And medicines, same thing. If you have medicines that have to go in the refrigerator, like a lot of times with ear infections, I have mm-hmm. the ones that have to go in the fridge. There's a case you can buy on Amazon that has a lock and a key in it. Mm-hmm. Firearms. Fire, yeah, mm-hmm. which we weren't, we weren't big firearms and that kind of thing, people anyway, but have to be like in a safe with a lock and a key. Um, alcohol, lock and key. I keep my makeup under lock and key because that's a, technically a type of chemical. Dish detergent, soap, all the things. 409. Yes. Clorox. Yeah. Any cleaning products. Everything. Lock and key. I guess it makes sense. Kids would drink it or something. They but, would. And yeah. that's what, I mean, even my own kids, like it, it wouldn't even take a child that's been through neglect that doesn't understand, oh, this is bad for me. It's just a toddler, you yeah. know, would mm-hmm. even like pick something like that up. And so most of this is just ideas that many families foster or not could, mm-hmm. could learn from. So oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But now the state's checking in on you. What yeah. else did you have to do for the home study? Um, we had to get a fire ladder. So if your Ooh. house is more than one story, you have to have a fire ladder upstairs in case there's a fire. Is that and a rope thing? So ours, yeah, basically, it's just got like stairs that go down, but it's like it rolls up and we just keep it in the closet. The fire escape plan has to be on the fridge at all times for the upstairs and the downstairs. Emergency contacts have to stay on the fridge. Fire extinguishers on both levels. It, it, everything, yeah, everything. It's, and there's actually a, uh, an interview process that they have to go through. Um, at when you first become a foster parent, you have three visits where a nice. home study contractor comes out to your home and makes it to where, um, they do questionnaires with you. Um, and it just kind of has questions on there that facilitate conversation and difficult conversations. They talk mm-hmm. about marriage happiness, your background when it comes to trauma and things of that nature to basically see that the foster parents are in a good mental space, a good marriage space. Um, and even health wise, there's medical evaluations that they have to do to make sure that they're in physical condition to be able to care for children. How many families, what's the percentage of families that want to adopt or I'm sorry, want to foster and don't make it through the home study? For us, um, I would, I don't really know a percentage off the top of my head, but since I've been here in over a year, I think 
we've only had three that haven't made it through the process. Ah. And it's not usually for one reason or another. Sometimes, like you were saying, people have an idea in their head, but Mm -hmm. they go through the impact process and say, hey, you know, this really isn't what I thought it was going to be, which we're appreciative of. You know, we'd rather you guys find that out (laughs) now than after you get a placement. Um, But yeah, uh, it's it's one of those types of things where um, we try to be diligent during mm-hmm. the interview process to be able to weed some things out. And even if you have things that are probably going on, like mental wise, we don't say, Hey, you can never foster. It's mm-hmm. how about you go work on this kind of stuff, get some help, come back to us when you're ready. And we'll start from there. Okay. Yeah. Great. So now you passed all this home inspection, yes. the, the uh, psychological testing mm-hmm. and all of <laughs> these good things. Yes. Right. <laughs> so, now you are set and you're ready to accept children in your yeah. home as fosters. Yeah. Okay. Do you also get prepared for not adopting these children? Like, listen, you're getting these children and you are basically a, a holding mm-hmm. space for them. Yeah. So don't get attached as their own child, as their parents. Do you sure. get that? Yeah. You, um, you do the best you can, you know, because that's something that you essentially you can prepare so much, but you don't know what that's going to feel like until that first placement leaves. So, um, but yeah, I think there's something in your head and it's a weird line because you have to get attached to a certain extent for them to really like start feeling that love and that acceptance and like just, you know, all the things they should have been getting their entire life. But you do have to keep in the back of your mind, like I'm, I am a holding place, you know, and like, the prize to that, though, is getting to see them at the end of that when they get to go to their forever home, whether mm-hmm. that's back home or somewhere else. Right. So you just kind of have to keep it in the back of your mind. But it's a very bittersweet situation. Wow. Don't move. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Earl Darby, owner of Darby Funeral Home in Canton. Our caring staff at Darby's is here for you and your family to help you with a tailored service to fit your individual needs for your loved ones. Whether you want a traditional funeral, cremation, or graveside, we strive to serve our families with care and respect. Let us help you honor and celebrate your loved one's life with sweet times and fond memories at Darby Funeral Home on Main Street in Canton. So now mm-hmm. you're ready to accept children into your home yeah. <laughs> and you're waiting. So you're ready. You're all ready. Yeah, yeah. And now you're just waiting for a phone call. What from Gabby? Is Pretty that much. It? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Just so sit. how long did you wait? I think we only waited like maybe two weeks. Really? It was not a very long time. No. Um, we had a couple sets, you know, offered to us before and they just didn't work out so when we got that official first set I think it it's only been a couple weeks do you have an opportunity after you're approved mm-hmm. and before you accept children do you have an opportunity to say anything like okay here, here's the deal I don't mm-hmm. I can't accept somebody that has a drug addiction absolutely oh, they you do. do have that yeah and then we actually update that every year so they give you the option to update that every year because you know as kids come and go you realize things that oh maybe I can handle that that I didn't think I could or oh I can't handle this the way I thought I could okay that's yes. interesting I didn't yeah. know that either oh yeah, yeah. It's called a child preferences form. Um, and so that's part of the initial home study. And then, like she said, every reevaluation that they have for their licensure, it's updated each year. Okay. Mm-hmm. So 
you get the call from Gabby. It's yes. time. We have the we have an official mm. placement for you. Yeah. What was it like? How oh. did this work? <laughs> Were you jumping for joy? You break it to your boys. Let's hear what happened. Yeah, both. Um, I was excited. I was scared. I was nervous. I was all the things. Um, but definitely mostly excited because at that point in time, you know, I'm sitting at home. I had quit my job and the boys were not school age. So they're sitting at home with me and we're, you know, little by little trying to explain to them like, Hey, we're going to have new friends come and stay at our house. And so we had talked about this for a couple of weeks when I told him, I was like, Hey, we're about to have new friends. Like we're getting new friends today and that kind of thing. Um, it's a very exciting moment. Yeah. I love it. First of all, it sounds like you've had several. How many, how many placements have you had, actually? Uh, I think about five. Um, about 15 kids. Wow. All together. How long did this group of children stay with you? So the two youngest stayed with us right out of year. Mm-hmm. Um, the oldest actually had a different dad. So he actually left a couple months later and got to go stay with his dad. So he was only there a couple months, yeah, is yeah. what you're saying. Okay, so what do you know about them before you meet them? So that varies. Um, a lot of times they do try to tell us as much about the home situation that they're coming out as they can, because a lot of times, you know, these are kids that maybe haven't ever been in the system, so they know just about as much as we are going to know. So, you know, you usually know their age, birthdays, Can you tell stuff. us their, their age, what you knew about them? So at the time, little girl was two, middle boy was four, and oldest boy was 11. So we find out, you know, that basic information and that kind of thing. And they usually try to let us in on what they even just experienced when they went into the home to take the kids out. Um, So at first set, there wasn't a lot of information because they really had just taking them out of the house. So how long ago were they? You said they just took them out. Was that like a few hours ago? I think at the time that I had got the phone call, yes. And they had, yeah, they had just been taken out of the house. So they just take these children out of their home Mm -hmm. and they probably have their pillow and their stuffed animal and... If that. They came, they came with a um, garbage bag full of clothes between the three of them. One garbage bag full of clothes. Yeah. Sometimes nothing, but yeah, these kids had a little bit. And they were, what was their state of mind when you met them? Very quiet. They were very, very timid kids. Um, Were they crying? They weren't, no. Um, The little girl, overall, her personality was very emotional. So, I mean, she would cry a lot, but like when they initially walked in the house, no. They were just very quiet, kind of like, what are we doing here? But I think it helped them having each other. So that's when you walked in the house. Did they did they come to your house yeah. or did you go pick them they up? They actually brought them to our house. Oh, oh, okay. Yes, yeah, which so, I prefer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when they were picked up, maybe I misunderstood this. When they were picked up from their house, did they go right to Kayla's house? So more than likely, um, what would transpire is defects removes them from their birth home. And until placement is located, they will sit with the children at the defects office. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, it could have been a situation where they already knew the kids were getting ready to come into care. Maybe they were at school. Maybe they were safe at daycare. And so then they waited to go get the kids from daycare until they secured placement and they could pick the kids up from that environment and then take them. Um, But more than likely, it's a there. There may be a stop in between. Or it could be a direct, hey, I'm picking you up from here and we're immediately going there. Well, that must be quite a juxtaposition Mm -hmm. for 
the situation because mm-hmm. you, if it was me, I would be so excited yeah. <laughs> about these little people coming into my life mm-hmm. and I just want to hug them and, you know, yeah. hey, I'm here for you. And they must be just yanked out of their world and yeah. put somewhere else that's just like, what yeah. is going on? They, it must be so crazy for them. Yeah, I think even more so for the younger ones because they really are confused. You know, they really, like in that situation, neither of them were in daycare, so they were literally at home with mom every day. Um, so to be yanked away from all of that, and also they don't understand, you know, that any of the things that were going on were bad. Um, the older one, it, they're still confused, but it makes it a little easier because mm-hmm. unfortunately in that situation, the older one had actually been in care before this. So oh. he kind of, as much as he could, understood mm-hmm. that something had, you know, something bad. There was happened. a reason for why they were being moved. Yeah. 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 Okay, so they they walk in your door. Yeah. What was the first thing you did with them? Um, they came right around dinner time. So our caseworker that actually met us at that, like, came to the house with the kids, she actually brought pizza. As we know, pizza always makes the kids, you mm-hmm. know, pretty excited. So I just kind of introduce us. You know, I usually try to stay back from physical touch immediately just because I don't know what they've been through. So I don't want to trigger them with hugging them. And my kids are wild and rambunctious enough. <laughs> so they're like, hey, you know, like, what are you doing? And all this stuff. So we try to take it a little bit at a time and like, you know, hi, what's your name? Like, are you, you know, and that kind of thing. Do you like pizza? Like we always kind of open mm-hmm. with that. Because, like I said, no kid doesn't like pizza. So, um, and we just kind of have dinner together. And usually, I've noticed the kids that we get right around a meal time. If we start with that, it really makes them open up super fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like as soon as I heard pizza, they're like, "Oh, yeah, oh, you got pizza here? here? Yeah, okay, all right." So that's kind of how it starts. And the younger two were. A little quieter the the youngest girl she didn't really talk much at all because she was still really young mm-hmm. so we kind of engaged the older one a little bit more to just because he was 11 so we we're like oh mm-hmm. yeah you can talk you know like and that kind of thing so when you said they opened up did mm-hmm. they open up just saying you know oh yeah okay that's my bedroom you know did you show yeah. them their bedroom yeah and- we walk them around we show them where the bathroom is we show them where their bed is we show them you know where the playroom is and show them where our room is if they are to ever need anything you know like in the middle of the night like they know where to come um and then the oldest we show you know like where the upstairs playroom is you know the Older kids, school kids go up there and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So just kind of show them around and let them get warmed up and let mm-hmm. them feel it out. Okay, so then the first night comes mm-hmm. and they go to bed. Yeah. How was that? That is always hard with every single set um, because I would say for us, more cases than not, they have all slept in one bed together or like they're used to not really having a bedtime and they just kind of crash wherever. So these kids specifically, um, the two boys were used to sleeping in a bed together, which is not allowed. And also just, you know, something we try to encourage them not to do. And then the youngest had never really been in a room by herself. And at this point she was, cause she's our only little girl. So she had a room to herself. So that's always emotional. She cried a lot. We sat in there 
Um, we split up at that point. So I go to the girls' room, my husband goes to the boys' room, and we just do as much comforting as we can. So I usually sleep on the couch the first first week, first couple of days, just because a lot of times they'll come out and they just start running around because they're not used to sleeping all night mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So it's it's exhausting, it's emotional, yeah. it's a lot of things. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Wow. But they get a good feel for you at that point. They start feeling secure. Tell us about some of the kind of bumps in the road, some things that were really, really trying on you. Yeah. I think the biggest thing was at that point we had jumped from two kids to five. Um, So that alone had its own challenges, trying to figure out like a good schedule. Um, Just in general, getting them on a routine. Because like I said, at this point, they've not had routine. No one's telling them they have to go to bed and like stay in their bed. Just the things, too, that they're adjusting to. So I notice it more in younger kids than older kids because they really don't understand their confusion comes out in a totally different way than it does older kids usually. It's acting out or, you know, it's doing things that we were definitely not prepared for. Such (laughs) as? So the middle middle child, the little boy, he, um, the first... I think it took about a week to get him out of it. So when he came to us, he was potty trained. We, you know, hadn't had any issues until nighttime. So the first night he managed to find a Walmart bag in the bedroom and pooped and peed in it and put it in the corner of the bedroom. And he knew where the bathroom was. He did. The bathroom was actually straight across from his room. We left both doors on. We leave the bathroom light on. We always make sure they know, hey, if you need to pee, it's right there. Like you go. So then how did you handle that? Then in the next morning you find this. Yeah. I, I think at first I was in shock because <laughs> I wasn't expecting right. that. I mean, and what really even shocked me more was the oldest boy shares a room with him. And he's like, oh yeah, he does that every night. Oh, he does that. Every, and I'm like, there. what? <laughs> like, so yeah. we got lucky. I, I'd be like, in there. ring Gabby, <laughs> things I can't handle. Yeah. <laughs> and just things you wouldn't expect. Like I was ready for like fits to be pitched and like screaming and crying and that I was not ready for a potty trained child to. And that's a really unusual (laughs) behavior. I would think, did you get to the bottom of why he was doing this? Did that ever? Yeah. So part of it was a habit that he had just had in his home, in his birth home. Um, He wasn't allowed of us out of his room at night was what the oldest would tell us. So Oh, so Dealt that was it. his way of coping mm-hmm. with yeah, that. that. And so he just assumed, even though we had told him like, hey, the bathroom's right there, that hadn't registered in his head. It was just, I'm in my room, I'm not allowed out, but I got to use the bathroom and I don't want to do it in my pants. So he was doing what he thought was the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. So the old, how long did it take for the older child to tell you this? The first night. Oh, the first night. Yeah, that next morning when I came in and was just kind of in shock, he's like, oh yeah, he was like, this is... He does this every night. He has, uh, there was like a little potty in his room because he was not allowed out of his room at night. So, yeah. Wow. Very, it came out very quickly. He was very open. So, how, how long did it persist? So, that first week, he, it was pretty much every night that first week. And then on and off every now and then when he would get triggered for, mm-hmm. I mean, up until maybe the month before he left. Mm-hmm. If any small trigger um, it could happen at a visit. It could happen, but it got easier to know when it was going to happen. So. I was just going to say, um, it's not uncommon for kids to have issues with accidents when they come into mm-hmm. foster care. Um, they could have been potty trained at home. 
just fine. Um, But they come into a new environment. um, That's traumatic in and of itself. So their response is um, they can't control their situation, right? But this is something that they can't control. So a lot of times you may not even see accidents during the day. Some kids do, but it's more common for bedwetting um, to happen at night. And so that's just something like we try to warn all of our foster parents about, Mm -hmm. um, especially if you have younger kids. I mean, we even have 10 year olds that have had this issue. So it's just a matter of patience, Mm -hmm. a matter of being consistent um, and just understanding that this is just part of the process. Right. Yeah. Are these children also getting psychological help at this time? So it depends on their age. Um, most of the time therapy comes into play once a child hits the age of four and it, sometimes it could take upwards of a month to even get the services started. Ah. Um, so within the first week of placement, that referral is made. Um, some agencies pick up quicker than others. It just really depends on staffing and things of that nature, but we try. Gotcha. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what other, that sounds, that sounds like a really big bump in the that, road. That was uh. the biggest bump in the road, I think for that set. Yeah. Um, the little girl was very emotional. She's a very timid little girl. You could tell there had not been much positive physical touch in her life. So like even to like go towards her to pat her on the back or give her a hug, she would just like instantly tense up and start crying. Like, you wouldn't Mm. actually even touch her. And there were times that I would even just, like, quickly, like, turn my head to, like, look, you know, because there's five kids. So I would, like, turn my head real quick to look. That alone would startle her. And she would start crying. And you just wonder, what was her life like? Yeah. Mm. And she was so young, too. Um, So she was just very, very emotional. Mm -hmm. She didn't understand it, which made it hard for both of us because... You know, at this point, she doesn't understand, and there's really no words we can even tell her at that age to make her understand or help her understand, but it's also, like, draining for us, and then we catch ourselves getting irritated, mm-hmm. even when, you know, that's not fair to her, but that constant crying, like, anytime you make a sudden movement, it, yeah. Did you make steps to help her feel more comfortable being yeah. touched? Yeah, so at nighttime... She didn't seem to have much of an issue at bedtime because she was crying. So, like, we would, you know, we'd put her in her bed. And we always left the door open with the hallway light on so there's some kind of light coming in. And she would start crying. So I would go in there, and she would let me hold her in those moments. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that was definitely the first step is her feeling like, oh, okay, she's holding me and, like, Nothing negative is coming from this. Like, mm-hmm. I'm feeling comforted. And then she slowly, honestly, it just came with time. Like, her getting used to, one, being around just more kids than she was used to being around. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, two, even daycare helped. When she eventually got in daycare, it, it was just kind of a process of her getting used to understanding that not everyone that, like, looks at her or touches her is doing that in a negative manner. Right. Yeah. Right. So... When the kids came into your home, yep. were they healthy? So it's very common for kids, if they did not have prior exposure to daycare, uh, when they do get exposed to daycare, their immune systems are just wrecked because they didn't have the ability to build things up by being exposed to different colds and things of that nature. Think about newborn babies. They tend to get sick a lot whenever they first go into daycare. Um, so these specific kids, when they started daycare, I mean, they were just hit left and right constantly uh, really? with one sickness after another. But Kayla, she uh, she rolled with the punches oh there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Did you get sick too? I thankfully did not. Um, I had worked in daycare a lot and at that point, you know, had two kids. So, you know, you were immune pretty, to pretty immune to most of it. 
these kids, yeah, they got they got hit with everything because, like she said, they weren't in daycare before, so they were literally with just mom all day, every day, mm-hmm. in the house. Um, and then they go to a daycare where the middle boy had like twenty kids in his class, and the little girl has ten to twelve, mm-hmm. and all of that just coming in, and then. Yeah, lots of doctor visits at the beginning. Stomach bugs, strep, ear infections, mm-hmm. all of it. Literally. And it makes you thankful that, you know, she was able to stay home, yes. right? So think about if she had to take off work yeah. every single time the kids can't go to daycare because they're running a fever. Mm-hmm. So she had that flexibility to be able to do all that. Yeah. You're a lucky woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't think, I can't imagine doing it not with a full-time job. Okay, hold that thought and we'll be right back. The next home for you or your loved one may be just around the corner at a Phoenix Senior Living Community in North Georgia. The Retreat at Canton and the Retreat at Jasper offer beautiful surroundings with friendly professional associates, delicious food, and the best of care. Our residents enjoy private studio apartments with maintenance-free living. Please visit with them on the web at phoenixsrliving.com, view their communities online, and schedule an in-person tour today. Phoenix Senior Living. When it comes to your loved one, everything matters, and it matters to us. Okay, so you had these children again. You said a year. Yes. Yeah. And then, so you watched them grow for a I year. Did. You oh. repotty trained. <laughs> yeah. You <laughs> taught a girl, a young young baby mm-hmm. girl, to appreciate someone's hug. Yeah. Yeah. And what well, the the older boy, two months, mm-hmm. you cared for him. Yeah. And then what happened? Then you get a phone call that says they're ready to go. So, yeah, so the process was, um, you know, it's a little, it can be a little lengthy because we knew these kids were not going to be going back home. So we knew they were going to be going up for adoption. So at that point, we know in the back of our heads, okay, Goshen's going to start looking for potential adoptive homes. And we knew these specific kids would not take long to find one because most people, unfortunately, you know, they want younger kids and they only want younger kids. But we knew with them not having a lot of issues and them being young, they would go pretty quick. So we were mentally prepared for that. Um, they came to us with a, an adoptive family. We went and met them. We took the kids with us to meet them at a very neutral location. And then the next step for this specific case was they actually went to respite. So they actually stayed with them for a weekend. Just mm-hmm. kind of feel that out and that kind of thing. And then they moved them just a couple of weeks after that. So this set specifically, we kind of got to plan it out and we got to set a date that they would officially move. Mm-hmm. How was that for you? What was that process like? You get the call. Okay. Mm-hmm. My two friend babies. Yeah. Baby friends. Bonus are, babies. Yeah. Bonus babies. Bonus That's babies. a great term. Yeah. Bonus babies. My two bonus babies are going to be going to their forever home. Yeah. What was that phone call like? Uh, That's always an emotional one, but also a very exciting one for these kids because I had seen them go through things even just in the year that I'd known them that they should not be going through. You know, they don't deserve that. Um, So it's a very bittersweet moment, but I also at this point had met this couple and knew a little bit about their background and, you know, why they wanted to adopt. So it's a very bittersweet moment you're happy and you're sad to see them go of course did you ever think maybe we should just adopt them we did oh yeah we had that thought a few times um 
But at this point in time, we just felt like that was not what we were supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And honestly, the family that they went to, I legitimately feel like was a match made in heaven. Like, honestly, they look like they could have birthed these kids. Like, they even look like them. Really? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's it's kind of creepy in a way. <laughs> but, yeah. So, but so they're going to walk fantastic. down the street and nobody's going to question. Absolutely it. not. There will be no question in anybody's mind. That is great. Yeah. And that makes it worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you see these children, these this family ever? So we don't get to see them as much in person because the oldest boy or the middle boy has really struggled with the detachment part of it. But we text all the time. We send pictures to each other all the time. We send videos all the time. Oh, so he wanted to stay with you. He has a lot of, he had actually gotten diagnosed with like some detachment disorder things. So it's just very triggering for him, even though. I would think that would be so common. Yeah. Because he got pulled from his mom and then from his new mom. And now he's got a new mom. Yeah. You know, it's it's very confusing. um, But from everything she said, he's getting better. So we're thinking that he's actually pretty close to being able to like see us again in person and that kind of thing. But we keep in contact a lot. Is the eldest boy that Mm -hmm. was only with you for two months. How is he doing? He's doing great. I still talk to him all the time. We're friends on Facebook. So, um, we talk all the time. He's doing great. Having good fun with his real daddy, huh? Yes, he is. Yeah. He's doing great. Will those children ever have an opportunity to see their mother again? Their bio mother. So typically when a case is heading to termination, um, meaning that the parents are no longer going to have rights to their kids and they're heading towards um, adoption, DFACS will set up what they call a farewell visit. Um, And now whether or not that parent chooses to show up for said farewell visit um, is up to them, but it's an opportunity um, in some cases where they are allowed to see their parents or parents are able to say goodbye. Um, but then there are situations where sometimes that's a toxic um, relationship and it could actually do more harm than good for the kids to see their parent. So it's really up to the judge. It's up to DFACS. Um, even therapists can weigh in on that decision. Um, but that would be something that's completely outside of our control. But once the adoption happens, there's no more rights to see them ever again correct and now it is something in the state of georgia we do closed adoptions um but if a a adoptive parent decided hey you know maybe the bio parent has gotten themselves together you know sometimes they'll send pictures sometimes they'll do emails um i know some families that stay in regular contact with those parents but in some cases they don't Mm -hmm. um but it's really just up to that adoptive parent at that point um if they want the kids to have a relationship maybe when they're 16 maybe when they're 18 they can set Mm -hmm. that up on their own it's a lot more flexible than i thought Goshen Valley provides peace and purpose to youth in foster care. There is an ongoing need for foster families in Cherokee County and all over Georgia. Goshen Valley is here to help meet that need. They provide safe, stable, and loving family-based models of care for those in need. Goshen Homes is a vital component of Goshen Valley. Goshen Homes understands that siblings in foster care should not be separated because they grow better together. For this reason, Goshen Homes works to recruit, train, license, and support foster families 
families working with sibling groups in Cherokee County and the state of Georgia. If you have a little extra room in your home and heart, consider learning more about Goshen Homes and the unmatched joy you can discover by becoming foster parents. Visit www.goshenvalley.org homes. That's www.goshenvalley.org homes. Is there anything that you want to tell us about the story that is important for people to know? I would just say in general to expect the unexpected. Um, I think a lot of people's mentality of fostering is you're going to get these just like perfect kids that come in and don't really have any problems, which is honestly kind of the mentality I had. And it's not. And like, if I'm going to be like real with you and raw, like it's hard. It's not an, it's not an easy thing. Um, you need to be in as good of a headspace as you can and be as mentally prepared for literally anything to happen. The things you think won't happen are the things that could happen. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I have this fear that it would actually disrupt a marriage. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that's a possibility? I don't. If you're in a good foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, if we had done this when I really wanted to, like at the very beginning of our marriage, possible. Yeah, sure. I think you have to be aware enough of your own capabilities and where your own marriage is. It takes a lot of self-awareness. So mm-hmm. now, no, absolutely not. I think the biggest nerves and fearful thing I got was how is this going to affect my kids at such a young age? Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as I started feeling nervous and worried about how this would affect my kids, I started looking at the positives that this is going to bring in my kids. So my kids are going to be four and six this year, and they already understand a whole level of situations and thankfulness of their situation that a lot of kids don't get at such a young mm-hmm. age because they're not exposed to it. Um, and then also when I did think about the negative effect that it could have on my marriage. I thought at the end of the day, we have to come back together, remember why we did this, why we wanted to do this. And that really helps take some of the jitters away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, we don't have children. So I'm not, I can't imagine, I guess, taking foster children in. I shouldn't say that. I can imagine it. Yeah. But I fear that I wouldn't be prepared. And I think the fact that you had children first, Mm -hmm prepared you in a way that people that don't have children would be able to cope with that. Yeah. I mean, it definitely can. Um, but I also, I would not want someone to discount themselves just because they don't have kids, you know? And I will say that that's actually a, an, not really an issue, but it's a circumstance that we've come across very recently in Goshen Homes. So a way that we're mitigating that is if you have never parented before, what we do is instead of starting you out with, hey, we're just going to start putting kids in your home full time, we do more of a respite situation. Mm -hmm. So you'll have kids for a weekend or you'll have them for an extended weekend and then they get to go back to their foster home. But it helps you get to see, okay, you know, like she was talking Mm -hmm. about before, I can handle this. Maybe I can't handle this. Or, you know, maybe you said first you wanted to start out zero to five. I don't know why people do that. Toddlers are crazy. I would, t- <laughs> yeah. I, I would take a teen. older. Yes, that's why I, I tell my husband all the time. I was like, if we foster, we're getting teenagers because I can't <laughs> handle toddler tantrums. But so say you say, you know, zero to five is what I want. We give you kids zero to five and you're like, Mm-mm, nope, not my, not my thing. I want school age <laughs> kids. And then that's what we go for. And so it's more about just really figuring out what your niche is. Mm-hmm. So we have a family now that is actually going to go, I call it live 
um, for full-time placement on Monday, but I've put five different kids in their home in different placements for different respites to expose them to different age groups. So Mm -hmm. that way they do get some of that experience. And something else that I, I love about Goshen itself is we understand that life happens We understand that fostering is hard. So one of the benefits that we provide personally from our agency to our foster parents is every year we will pay for six counseling sessions for them. No questions asked. We don't need to know what you go to talk about. We don't need to know who you see. If you have a problem that you need to sort through, we're here. And so mm-hmm. we reimburse for those sessions. Um, it's it's something that strictly goes between the foster parents and myself. All I see is an invoice and I, I pay it right away. Um, but that's a resource that way you guys don't have to feel like you, one, are alone um, because you do have the support of our staff. Um, we're, we're there. We're going to know if there's issues going on in the home because we're talking to the foster parents. We want to make sure that they're good as a couple. We want to make sure that they're good as individuals and that they're good as a family unit. And if there are concerns, then we put in even more supports, even just for the family, just to make sure that everyone's on the straight and narrow. Goshen has got it going on. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you're, you're covering all ends of the spectrum for the family, mm-hmm. for the children. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I can see, it has been very beneficial for the children in this community. So thank you for everything you do. I want to thank both Kayla and Gabby for coming in today. Yeah. Kayla, you are a saint. (laughs) You and your husband. (laughs) I'll tell you what. When you meet Peter at the pearly gates, (laughs) both doors wide open. Thank you. Thanks for coming in. Enjoy Cherokee Voices and Enjoy Cherokee Magazine are produced by EMI, a nationally recognized award-winning multimedia content producer. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. For additional information about this and all of our podcasts, visit enjoycherokee.com. If you enjoyed this show, click subscribe and take some time to rate and review the podcast now. It really does help us succeed in the booming world of podcasts. And now, stay tuned for Fun Facts with Katie. Hello, Katie. Hello. Welcome to Fun Facts with Katie. Yes, welcome. The Goshen Valley edition. That was quite interesting, wasn't it? It was. That was, I really learned a lot from that episode. I cannot believe how much she opened up to us. I mean, really, Kayla had a lot of information that I had no idea about. I agree. Her story was very, very special, and I'm glad we got to we got to hear her story. Yeah. And uh, Gabby had a lot of facts and stuff that filled in uh, as we went along. So, um, and it, it's very legal. There's so many legal things. Like we couldn't yes. give the kids names and things like that. So, um, th- and that's important to recognize. So I don't really want to go into a lot of facts beyond what Gabby said. But there are some things on the Goshen website that we came upon that I thought were kind of interesting to share with all seven listeners out there. Yes. Yes. So what did you find? So Goshen Valley is a big name in our community, and they do a lot within our community to fundraise and do a lot of things with foster youth. Um, And some of the fun facts that we found out about the scale of really the foster program, um, specifically in all of Georgia, there's a little over 13,000 foster youth in our state. And only about 5,000 families certified to foster those children. Wow. So, so that's like almost three kids to each family. Yes, just about. Um, and of that, there's 280 foster youth right here in Cherokee County. 
280. Yes. So that's a lot of kids. A lot of kids that need families and people to support them. I really wonder how, how does that number compare to history? Like when I was a kid in school. Right. I don't remember any foster kids in school. Do you remember foster kids in school with you? I really don't. I never really had any foster kids that I was aware of. Um, oh, wait a minute. I do take that back. I had our principal of our grade school had fostered a child. I think they fostered him. His name was Dennis, is Dennis. He's still around. And... um Actually, they adopted him then. But I don't know if that was an adoption right from the start or if it was right. maybe a fostering situation. But yeah, it's interesting. That's a lot of kids in this community. It we need is. lots of families out there. We do. We Goshen, really, they have created an awesome organization that makes it very helpful for people to foster children and to help those kids that need families. Mm-hmm. Um. In 2019, actually, Goshen celebrated their 20-year anniversary, and in that time, they have helped 718 youth. They've seen 32 adoptions. They've seen 47 youth graduations, and eight of the foster youth have joined military service. Ooh, that's some pretty incredible numbers. It is. What's even more incredible is that over 65% of Goshen foster children have been reunified with their families, which 65%. is 65%. That's yes. huge. That's always Goshen's goal is to foster those children for a time. And if it's a, a possibility to have those kids reunited with their family, that's obviously of the utmost importance to Goshen. Wow. Very cool. Well, thanks for finding all that out for us. Absolutely. Appreciate it. That's um, what I'm here for. Yeah. I hope to hear more from Goshen Valley in the near future because they do have a lot of uh, strings pulling on my heart. That they do. They have a lot of awesome stories and so local to our community to have this awesome organization here. Yep. Hey, one more thing. I think Goshen Valley on their website, don't they have a place that you can go and sign up to learn more about fostering and becoming a foster parent? They do. They have virtual information sessions on the second Wednesday of every month. So you can go on their website. You can register to join one of those and learn all that they have to share with you about what it is to become a foster family and what's required and what it's all about. Great. What's the website? Goshenvalley.org. That's Goshenvalley.org. Well, everybody, get out there and enjoy Cherokee. Yes, do it. Have some fun out there. Bye. Bye.